If it's the weekend, it's time to have fun with your pet. But when it comes to technology, apps, and what's hot, you don't want to waste money or waste your or your pet's time. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. In today's show, Lorian and her guests will keep you in the know to keep your pet happy as well as you and your family. Now here's your host, Lorian Clemens. Welcome back to Puppy Talk on Pet Lover Geek. So, you're bringing home a new puppy. Life is about to get crazy. And training is key to keeping the crazy at bay. Because training your new puppy not only helps to improve their behavior, but it can also be crucial to their safety in certain situations. Because according to one recent study done by the ASPCA, only 4% of dog pet parents ever get proper training for their new dogs, either from a class or one-on-one sessions. And that's, that's insanity to me because I think training is so important. So when it comes to training the new puppy, we all know that there's a lot of basics that you want to teach them, like, you know, how to teach them how to house train so they're not soiling in the house, teaching them how to sit, basic manners, that type of stuff that you want to work on as soon as you bring them home. But, but there's a lot that goes into that. And there's a lot of other big stuff that you might want to consider too in your training. And how do you know, especially if you've never had a dog before, where to start? What kind of t- training does a puppy need? How to go about and get it? Where's the best place to get help? Well, today we are bringing in a lot of experts to talk about puppies. And our guest first is Robin Bennett. She is a certified professional dog trainer, has been in the pet industry for over 20 years. She's an incredible resource and a good friend of mine. And she's here to help us learn all about training that little furball that you've just brought into your home. Thanks so much for joining us today, Robin. Thanks for having me. It's one of my favorite topics. I know, right? It's like the universal, oh, I love this. So let's let's start off, though, with some of those basic commands, like the first things that you want to start with when the puppy first comes into your life. Where do you start, and, and, and when do you start with the puppy? Yeah, when do you start is a great question. I start as soon as that puppy walks through the door. Actually, I would even start when I'm picking the puppy up from wherever you're getting your puppy, whether it's a shelter or rescue group, friend, whatever. Um, Puppies are little sponges. And I like to say, if you and your puppy are together, one of you is always training the other. A lot of times that ends up the puppy training us. We we want it to work the other way. So a lot of people do tend to say, oh, I need to wait until they're older. And, but no, you can start training a puppy the second it walks through your door. Now you're going to keep the session short. Puppy's Mm -hmm. attention spans very, very tiny. But throughout, so you're not going to do like a 30-minute session. You're just going to do a minute here, a minute there throughout the day as you interact with that puppy. And that's the best way to just be consistent and get the puppy understanding the rules of the house, so to speak, right off the bat. Right. And I know, and you're going to talk specifically about some of the things that that you uh, have available for pet parents, but especially for new um, puppy parents parents that have never maybe had a puppy before and are are new to the whole training dogs. There's so much out there and so many different variations and training methods and things. And it's hard sometimes to know what should I do. So there's, there's positive reinforcement, there's dominance training. You know, we've got big celebrities who are, who are touting their training methods and everything. Where do you start? What do you look for? 
Yeah, I really look for positive reinforcement with puppies. So one of the best books, and it's a free download you can get on the internet, is by a, a guy named Ian Dunbar. Ian Dunbar is a veterinarian and the founder of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers. And he gives away his book called um, Before and After Getting Your Puppy. And that's a great resource. And Everything in there is the stuff I would start working on right off the bat. Positive reinforcement is really the way that I would recommend. So here's the bottom line, though, is if you can tell when your dog's happy and you can learn canine body language, that is the gauge by everything you do with your dog, how you train, how you work with them, how you, where to take them. If you look at your dogs and you learn a little bit about body language, you can tell whether or not your dog's happy. That's going to tell you everything you need to know about any training philosophy, about any location you take your puppy. Because if they're scared, then I would say change methods or change the way you're right. doing things. So generally speaking, you're going to see much more positive and happy behavior using positive reinforcement. And more importantly, it builds a stronger relationship with your dog. So positive reinforcement means setting the dog up for success and then rewarding them when they make the right choices. It's all about kind of modeling um, the, or molding the environment in a way that the puppy can succeed. So that's using crates and using leashes and those right. kinds of things. Some positive reinforcement folks use mostly, you know, uh, verbal rewards or food rewards or cooker training. And, and there's a lot of different variations with there. It, does that matter so much as the fact that you're choosing positive reinforcement training rather than dominant submission training? I think it does. Re- really positive reinforcement is rewarding the dog with anything the dog likes. That mm-hmm. might be food. That might be a toy. That might be praise. That might be playing with another dog. That might be opening the door. Like if your dog wants to go outside, just opening the door is reinforcing. So it's really just rewarding the dog with what the dog finds pleasing. And more of the dominance training is sort of intimidating your dog. So that's the dogs doing stuff because they're afraid of what will happen if they don't do it. Right. And that isn't really the, the, it's not really a fun way of working with your dogs. Yeah, you don't want that from your Exactly. Your learning experiences. So you, know, you mentioned about the, the short little detention span. <laughs> so that being said, <laughs> so obviously when you're first starting, it's just like, you know, one minute here, one minute there. How do you, do you like build up to uh, longer sessions or how do you know when they need a break? Well, I would really be looking at how much attention they have on you. So with a puppy, they're going to be, it's like a little baby, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, here you are. And then squirrel, I'm over here doing something. And if you can't get your puppy's attention back, it's probably just because they just have a short attention span. Mm -hmm. So initially, I would just do tiny little increments. But after they get to be about four to six months, they do have a little bit more of an attention span. So you might be able to do like a whole 10 minutes with them. Mm -hmm. And usually after six months, you can start training for longer periods of time. But it's just easier to keep it short when you first get a puppy. And I would be getting them to do the behaviors you want. Sit is probably the number one behavior I teach in the house. Mm -hmm. And so asking them to sit throughout the day, you go to the door, ask them to sit and give them a treat or open the door to reward them. If you're going to feed them, get them to sit before you put the food bowl down. So it's just those little times where you have the opportunity anyway, because you have something the puppy wants that you can start working with what you behaviors you want them to do. Now, what point is it appropriate to start doing the whole socialization classes and and even the group training classes? Well, so that's very controversial and you'll hear answers all over the, all over the board for that. My recommendation is keep up with your vaccination schedule of your puppy. And if you're keeping up to date with that, you can expose your puppy to an environment where all the other dogs, you know, are also vaccinated, meaning I would take a puppy under four months 
or six months even before they are finished with their shots, I would take them to a place that I know that the other dogs are safe to be around. For instance, mm-hmm. a class, a training class, or um, someplace where I know that I can encounter other dogs and do a, do a training program, but I know that the other dogs have been vaccinated. But that is controversial. Some people will tell you don't take your puppy anywhere until they've had all their shots. But I think that more puppies have issues with lack of socialization mm-hmm. and which causes behavior problems in the future than um, puppies that get sick. If, but I wouldn't take them to a dog park. I wouldn't take them to any place where you don't know the dogs or where lots of dogs are passing through and you don't know anything about those. I wouldn't even necessarily take them to a pet store until right. they've had all their shots. But if it's a place where, you know, the dogs are safe, that they're around, I would start because socialization. you really want to expose your puppy to whatever it's going to ex- encounter in the world before they reach four months, ideally, mm-hmm. because that's the best socialization window. Right. And those kind of classes, they're, you're required to show that you have all those kind of vaccinations and things like that. So they're much more likely. Now, what kinds of products or systems or those kind of things? I mean, I know that you have a couple of things that you've done in the past that are that are geared towards that new puppy parent that are really good to kind of get you started, if, especially if you're somebody like me that likes a lot of structure and guidance when you're doing something. Yeah, so I would definitely, um, one of the programs I have is called Raising Your Puppy, and it's a video guide to raising your puppy the first six months. It's week by week, starting at eight weeks of age. So mm-hmm. I put this program together when I got my puppy. And I literally, it's like real life, real time stuff I did with my dog, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all the stuff that my dog was doing when he was a puppy and how I solved that, you know, I'm sitting on the floor, my house is a mess. It's like literally, okay, he's chewing on my feet. Here's what I'm going to do. And I videotaped all of it, but that's a great starter program. I do. I did start it at eight weeks because I want people to get going as soon as they get their puppy home. I would look for positive classes in positive training classes in your area um, and then a couple of sort of gadgety things, since um, I like gadgets anyway, but yes. for puppies, I know getting them to sleep through the night is often an issue. So I usually tell people, go download some kind of a heartbeat app. So anything mm. that makes that sort of heartbeat sound. Um, a lot of times people will put, um, you know, in the old days, we used to put alarm clocks that were ticking clocks in the crate to make that sound. But most people don't have ticking clocks anymore. So they, they do have apps though, but you want that some kind of a soothing um, repeated sound like that can help your dog sleep through the night. Um, yeah. Some people like to kind of keep an eye on their dog during the day when you're not able to be home. And uh, there's a couple products out there now that have cameras in them. Mm-hmm. So you can actually check in on your dog and pet chats is one of them. Furbo is another one where you can literally turn the video camera on and see what your puppy's doing and kind of gives you peace of mind. So some of those are great as well. And crating, I'm just going to mention, if you're not home with the dog, you need to have them in a crate. Is that a recommendation that you normally give? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would definitely, and I would crate train a dog of any age. As soon as you get any dog, I would start crate training. For puppies in particular, what you're doing with a crate is you're helping them to learn to control their bladder, for number Mm -hmm. one, because most puppies don't want to go to the bathroom where they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. And you want the crate to be just big enough that that puppy can turn, stand up, turn around, and lay down. You don't want, like, a super-sized crate because right. then they'll just go to the bathroom on one end and sleep in the other. Right, so you right. want to make sure it's the right size. And then you're also teaching that puppy how to settle down, how to be by themselves, and you're also teaching them that sometimes the only appropriate chew toy is the one right in front of them that you've given them. So they learn 
what appropriate chew toys are, as awesome. opposed to leaving them on their own where they learn where anything. Where goodness knows they could do all <laughs> right. kinds of damage. So tell, tell people where they can learn more for you online. You can go to um, thedoggurus.com. So www.thedogandgurus, G-U-R-U, um, thedoggurus with an S.com. And you can find my Raising Your Puppy class there as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, Robin. Really great stuff. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Stay tuned, pet lovers. When we come back, we're going to be talking to a founder of a new look at the way you train your puppies. It's actually looking at the brain science that's behind how they learn and how they cognitively process things. It's really cool science stuff that I can't wait to geek out with you about. And it's also about puppies. So it's so exciting. While you wait, go check out Robin's Dog Guru site. Pet Lover Geek brought to you by Pet Hub. We'll be right back on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Every Saturday morning, listen for the Superstar Sports Talk Block on Voice America Variety. We've got the best programs. If you want to talk football, hunting, outdoors, racing, and more, the weekends belong to sports. And you'll find it every Saturday beginning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You'll hear from the players, owners, experts, and fans from around the world. It's the Saturday Superstar Sports Talk Block. Wow, that's a mouthful. And it's only on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Pet Lover Geek. Today, we are talking about puppies. Oh, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Who doesn't love a, a puppy and how wonderful they are? But one of the biggest struggles that people have when they have a new puppy in their home is training them, discovering how their puppy learns best so that we can help them be good canine citizens and get that, that really important, you're a good doggy kind of thing going. So I'm really excited that we have on the show today, Kim Pachati, to talk to us about Empowered Puppy. It's a new series of cognitive tests, online and video training programs that are specifically designed for puppies and based on current science. Super exciting to have you on the show, Kim. Welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So I want to start off by talking about what exactly is Empowered Puppy. And one of the things that was so exciting when we found out about you is how science-based this is. And it, it does seem to be a totally new approach to training puppies. So can you talk about that? Many of my companies called Training Canines. And I basically was fascinated with how the puppy learns and fascinated with how the puppy's mind was. Our research began with studying litters. And nobody really had done very much. Dognition had done a little bit with some canine, you know, research that they had done and so forth. But I know that it has to start early. 
so going in, find different research studies that had been done, you know, through the past and so forth. So we started with litter after litter after litter, just taking observations. And one of the first things that we start was we use Carmen Batiglia's biosensor program. And that was done in, they use that in the military, but basically what it is is you're placing the dog under specific stress. It's five different movements very, very quickly, showing the dog this is how stressful it is, and then turning around and putting the dog, you know, relaxing. That makes a huge difference. Um, I didn't think so when I first started it five years ago, uh, but there happened to be a litter that I didn't get until the puppies were four weeks old. And by not doing it, I really, really noticed the difference in the litter. So the second thing we start with is actually scent with them, smells. And we start this at 10 days old. And presently, we use essential oils. We have a, a, a four stimulating scents, four calming scents, and four environmental scents that we do. We do specific ones on specific days. And we basically put the smell underneath the dog's nose. And we watch and observe how the dog reacts to it. If they're head thrusting their head back, that would be a negative reaction. If they're, you know, leaning into it or locking onto the smell, as we call it, that would be a positive reaction. Side to side, where they're going to it, coming back, that would be a mixed reaction. And you can go all the way to an extremely negative or an extremely positive um, on the positive end where they're actually salivating and, you know, really literally going right after the scent. Well, when I first started, I originally just was doing it because I thought, well, let's put the scents out there to the dogs. And I kept seeing certain little personality traits coming out. Like I found that if the dogs were, you know, liking the pine and liking the the rain and liking the fresh cut grass and so forth, they were very, very highly distracted when it was time to train them outside. But I was, what was cool was I was finding this out at 11, 12, 13 days old. And I mean, their eyes and ears aren't even open yet. And so it was just something kind of set off there. So I was like, there's way more to this than I'm even, even, even realized there is. Now, you're talking, we've probably done over 250 puppies with this. It was litter after litter. So what we did about a year and a half ago was we took all the litters we had, took all our results, and keyed them all into the computer. Um, we tried to see the common denominator. Common denominator and personality was what we finally ended up where we found our common denominator. If the dogs are turning positive in certain areas, they happen to be a routine learner, or maybe this one was timid to sound, or this one was, there was so much factor. We were running 88% exact to the personality. The personality is coming out just by what items that they liked and didn't like. And from a training standpoint, now I know how my puppy can learn, how my puppy can focus, and how well my puppy is going to be for socializing. Because you know as well as I do, no two people learn the same. Mm-hmm. So you may be a visual learner. I may be a learner that you know, has to learn by reading books or, or whatever may be. Well, everybody thinks that dogs, it's one size fits all. But it's not. Well, I, I'm just, I'm, as I'm listening to this, so I've got a lot of questions, but did you find that there are certain archetypes that, that came up m- most commonly when you were doing this initial testing? Because um, having been a former teacher myself, you know, there are eight to 10 learning styles that, you know, nobody fits exactly that one learning style, but everybody, you know, Correct. gravitates towards more. So did you find that there are main archetypes that were presenting yes. in, in these puppies? Yes, absolutely. Um, you have about four different types of learning styles. You had four different abilities. We bro- we, there probably was a little bit more, but we broke it into a more of a generalized, okay, these are your four learning styles. These are your four 
um, focus abilities, these are your four socialization styles. Because when we rated everything, we rated it on a category from zero to four. Mm -hmm. So we kept it in going into that grouping. Um, So it was much easier to, we could have gone probably really, really broad or really detailed, I should say. Um, But I didn't think that that was where we haven't tested enough dogs to do that. I don't feel that. I think we need to stay as broad as that. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you want to bring something that people are going to be actually able to use. Okay, so I want to move, I want to fast forward a little bit here. Now, you did this training when puppies were really young, like 10 days old, something yeah. like that. But most yeah. of us, most pet parents, and I understand for breeders, that's that's one thing. They can they can start some of this right. testing really early. But for most of us, we don't even meet our puppy until they're 8, right. 10, 12 weeks old. And is, is exactly. that kind of testing to figure out their learning style, is it still applicable at that point? Or have are we kind of too late? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you're not too late. The, the, the latest that we've tested is 10 weeks. We've tested, we go back and we retest when the puppy's been eight weeks, nine weeks, 10 weeks. So to find out, are we having the same results? And once again, going back into that 80% rate, I think we were like 81%. We had the same results as we had earlier. That's just phenomenal to me. Okay, so then let's talk about the Empowered Puppy Program as far as a, a, a mm-hmm. new puppy parent is concerned. Then, so they're able to test their uh, mm-hmm. puppy to see, okay, like how, how does mm-hmm. he think? How does he learn? And then, and then, right. then how, what happens? What, what's the next step? Okay, basically what happens is we have a scent kit that a new puppy owner can purchase and we ask them to do this as quickly as they get their puppy. In fact, if you can get it before you get to a puppy, that's even better yet. What we want you to do for the first 12 days is we want you to test your puppy. It basically takes two minutes. Mm-hmm. You place, we have metal tins in the container and you take a cotton ball, you dampen the cotton ball, place a couple drops of the oil onto the cotton ball. You put it inside the tin, which has a hole in the top because we don't want the cotton ball or the, the oils of touching the dog at all. They're going to wait till their puppy's extremely calm in a, a distraction-free area completely. Mm-hmm. What they do is they let their puppy smell the, the scent. They mark it down. Then they'll go back and after the 12 days, they'll input that and go to our website. They'll input that into the computer. And within 48 hours, we will send them back exactly how their puppy learns, best way to teach their puppy, the best socialization way for their puppy, and the best way to teach their puppy as far as focus. There are specific ways dogs learn. From the standpoint, they can be a routine learner. They can be a learner uh, that is basically by imitation. Uh, they can be a learner where they're, we could have a very, very smart puppy that's very bored very quickly. And then we could have our really out there puppy, which we've had a few of that we've actually taught how to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and that by flashcards. Basically, we place the commands on the flashcards and we hold the commands up and we don't say a word and the dog knows what we're asking for. And we have video after video of this on our YouTube and Instagram oh channel. That is so exciting. That's just, that, it's crazy exciting. It's all a matter of, if you, if you understand how that dog learns and trains the personality of the dog, it's, it's easy. It yeah. is so easy. And all it is is talking to the dog. We don't use clickers. We don't use collars. We barely use food anymore. We, with this litter of Bernie's Mountain Dogs we have this time, we've pulled the food, a lot of it out. But one thing really cool that we do that I hadn't even told you is that we actually teach them by imitation. We start teaching them their commands by them watching themselves on television. So talk to me about that because that people say, okay. oh, dogs can't see TVs. Like, oh, yes, they can. So talk to me about that. We had a litter after litter where the uh, puppies were 
going around and eating each other's poop at three and a half and four weeks old. Now, moms eat the dog's poop. They stimulate the dogs to go to the bathroom. They continue doing that all the time. The dogs are nursing and so forth. But to have a litter of puppies doing it to each other. Now, I know that that's gross, but to me, I'm like, oh, my God, this is like the coolest thing ever. Because if you think about it, it's a learned behavior. So what that told me was they learned this by watching mom. So that means at three and a half weeks, they can actually learn by watching another dog. Mm-hmm. So we then took pictures of themselves of the, the, you know, that age, sitting, laying, standing, doing here, walking, waiting, all the commands that we teach. And we put them, it's basically about maybe about 60 second video. When we first, the very first time we tried it, we got on this, this ritual and, and we found that all of a sudden about on the seventh day, these puppies were sitting on command at four weeks old, five weeks old at the time, five weeks old, sitting on command. Some of them were at, were at six weeks already doing their laying. We could say at one time and we would wait and they would look at us and they would process and you would see the wheels going and they would do it. And once again, we have videos up on YouTube that anybody can see all of this happening. So then we had it where we showed one letter of, I believe it was golden retrievers. We showed them two times, four-week-old puppy sitting on command after two times of watching the video. Wow. It That's just, incredible. It like, that is incredible. But the coolest thing was, you know how like if you call a dog to sit, the dog runs to you and sits right down in front of you? By teaching this way, what we found was we took ourselves out of the picture. Now, all of a sudden, we'd be walking and we could say sitting. And guess what? We turn around, the dog's sitting five feet behind us. And that's the other thing we found. If you use plural, the dog learns 50% faster. Hmm. So instead of saying sit, I'm going to say sitting. Instead of saying, uh, you know, laying or lay, I'm going to say laying and waiting and all those types of things. And the dog learns faster. That's, that's fascinating. Well, I wish we could go on because there's so much we could dig I'm into sorry. here, but we're out of time. No, it's all good. So, so people I know are going to want to learn more. So tell them where they can find out more about the Empowered Puppy Project. Sure. You can actually see the puppies that we work with at trainingcanines.com. And that's training and then C-A-N-I-N-E-S dot com. You can go to empoweredpuppy.com. And what I'm really excited to, we have empoweredpuppyschool.com that you will be able to see our lifestyle training. You can take the class. We've even got it where you can pick what you want to pay for the class because everything is just going to benefit the research. So this way we've got 15 lessons online that you can do with your puppy. And the most important thing to teach first is temperament. Don't worry about the obedience because that comes later. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kim, for chatting with us today. You're welcome. Stay tuned, puppy lovers, because we're going to continue to talk about all things puppy. Pet Lover Geek is going to be right back after these messages from Voice America. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. 
If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Pet Lovers. We just finished talking to two amazing experts about training and bonding techniques to use with your new puppy. But one of the biggest factors about getting a new canine friend in your home that a lot of people tend to neglect, particularly folks that have never had a puppy before, is proper nutrition because not all dog foods are made alike. A lot of times you're going to be given a welcome home kit from the shelter or the breeder and it's going to contain a small sample of food. So you may have already gotten some guidance there, but you may not, you know, maybe you don't want to use the brand that they gave you or you're not exactly sure where you should go from here and what do you really need for your pup to to be healthy. So there are so many brands out there that have food that say all stages of life and some that say puppy food, but what do you really need to give them the proper nutrition that their growing bodies need? Well, that's where our last guest comes in. It's Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos. She's the Scientific Program's Senior Manager at Purina, and she and her team work very closely with veterinary clinics across the country to advance the role of nutrition in clinical practice and help our pets live long, healthy lives. And today, she's going to give us critical insight into puppy nutrition. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today, Dr. Lobos. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. So, who doesn't want to talk about puppies, right? And I know nutrition is what you live uh, day in, day out, so this is perfect. I want you to, to talk with us about just the core proper nutrition for puppies because there's a ton of information out there about older dogs and what to feed them, and there's a lot of, frankly, misinformation out there on the Internet. And it, I really want us to kind of start with that base of what does it mean to have proper nutrition for a puppy? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's one of the things where it it um, it almost seems obvious, um, but yet a lot of times it gets overlooked um, in in conversations. And you know, there's some good study surveys that have been out there where you know two out of every three dogs that come into a new come into a house are puppies, but yet less than half of those um, those new puppies actually receive any information or receive puppy-specific pet food. Um, so this is a, a, a key part because nutrition we know, um, not only at, at Purina but as a veterinarian, that having proper nutrition from the get-go sets them up for, as I like to say, success later in life and certainly longevity later in life when nutrition plays that proper role. So again, starting at that good foundation of giving them that puppy nutrition from the get-go can help to you know ensure that the that your puppy lives into their golden years um, and you're able to maintain their their health and their happiness throughout. And 
So with puppies, some of the key things to think about, it's, you know, it, it's similar to almost feeding, a, you know, a baby, only their growth years, their rapid growth years are condensed to about one to two instead of uh, in the human space where we look at maybe reaching our kind of max adulthood as far as development wise goes, you know, over a span of 18 years. Mm. So and taking that kind of that compact um, growth segment um, in their in their lifespan, some of the really key things to think about are a, a nutrient known as DHA, which is um, it's found in mother's milk. It's actually a fatty acid, um, and it's so very important we know for vision development as well as brain development. And so you want to look for that as far as when you're looking at um, the different ingredients that are in the pet food, because again, we want them to be well well-behaved dogs and to be able to enjoy their environment as much as possible. So those key senses of, um, of vision and, and their brain um, are certainly critical to having that experience. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's super important is calcium and phosphorus. While these are pretty small minerals, um, when it comes to like the total makeup of pet food, they are critical, again, for developing their strong bones and their strong teeth that are going to be able to help them. Uh, you know, as their skeleton develops and, you know, and their teeth are growing uh, to make sure that they're able to chew the kibble and chew the bones that they want to and pick up the ball when you're playing fetch and, and all of that. So the other things that um, that puppy food can be more specific for um, are things like protein. Uh, again, they have a higher protein requirement as they're developing because if you think about it, they're their muscles are also kind are growing to keep up with their growing bones. Mm-hmm. Um, other pieces that people don't think about where protein is very important is their immune system. Um, so their immune system, their antibodies, those things that are going to fight any kind of bacteria or virus that they may come across, um, all of that is made up of of proteins and the way they make those proteins is they break down the protein in, in the pet food that you feed them and then they can build them back up into proteins into their bodies. So as that immune system is developing and they're coming across new things that they've that they've not experienced before, that they can mount the pro- proper response and stay in good health. So having pro- uh, a good solid um, protein level in that pet food is is also critically important. Um, and it all really boils back down to looking at, at the company that, that produces it. Um, and that's one of the things that, um, I find so very reassuring. I see, I've got three dogs at home myself and, and knowing that I'm feeding a Purina product that, um, has been specifically developed for their life stage and has gone through, um, testing to show that it is complete and balanced for whatever life stage, whether it is is puppy or um, adult maintenance, you know, those sorts of things that, that it has been scrutinized. And, um, and we do that here at Purina, which, again, helps me to feel reassured um, that I'm providing the proper nutrition for my own dogs as well as being able to speak about it to others. Now, I've, I'd love it if you can kind of talk or address, because uh, I mentioned the Internet is full of information, and some of it's great but some of it's, frankly, misinformation. And sure, so can yeah. you talk a little bit about some of the biggest misconceptions and misunderstandings that people have about puppy nutrition? Um, sure. Yeah, I think one of them is um, that's kind of 
or may seem a little bit obvious is that puppies don't need specialized nutrition. So it's almost the flip side of that. But um, it is, you know, it's pretty common out there that people will think, oh, I can just pick up an adult dog food that's for maintenance um, and it'll get them what they need. And, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, they do. They've got more specific needs um, than adult dogs do. Mm -hmm. And some of the other misinformation that's out there is is supplementing. Um, So do I need to give my puppy vitamins? Again, if you're going with a, a pet food that is labeled as complete and balanced and has been through the analysis, whether that's through feeding trials or ASCO feeding tests uh, that says that it's complete and balanced, there's actually no reason to supplement with vitamins and minerals. And and that actually can oftentimes do detriment if you're over supplementing with some of the, the vitamins and minerals that can cause health problems for the puppy themselves. So mm-hmm. it's it's much easier to go with a um, with a with a pet food that again has been through that testing and and is complete and balanced. The the other things um, that can go out that can be misunderstood out there is um, for our larger breed dogs and uh, people think oh well I've got you know this Great Dane puppy so he needs to eat tons and tons of kibble because he's going to be a really big dog, mm. um, which. He, you know, he will probably, you know, your average Great Dane can run anywhere between 130, sometimes 188, pushing pounds. Um, but we want that growth to be controlled. And we know that if, uh, based on research, that if we feed them too much too quickly, their their bones will grow really rapidly, their muscles can't keep up, and that can predispose them to a number of orthopedic diseases, both in puppyhood as well as later in life. So it's really, again, important to have, first of all, have those nutrition conversations with your veterinarian and make sure that, that you're on the same page and that you're on the right page for the uh, the breed of dog that you have or the predicted size of the dog that you've got, um, as well as for particularly for these large breed puppies that you've got them on the right formulation mm-hmm. uh, because they do specific requirements and we actually want them to grow a little bit more slowly than we would say a beagle puppy or, you know, uh, even a, a Labrador puppy, which can be kind of in that middle pushing the edge of a large breed dog but certainly not as big as a St. Bernard or a, or a Great Dane or something like that. So really having those in-depth conversations with your veterinarian about the specific requirements for the breed of puppy that, that you're bringing into your home will also help to ensure that, that they're getting the proper nutrition. That's really interesting that you're bringing that up because that was actually one of the questions that I was going to have. Like what, what kind of different nutritional needs do different breeds of puppies have? And, and it's interesting too because like, I'm thinking just of either the Purina line or some of the other well-known lines. There are these general puppy, you know, food type things. Um, but can you talk a little bit more about like if, if I, when do I need to, I guess, look outside of that generalized puppy food and look into more specialized puppy food? Is it, is it having a smaller, the smaller breed dogs and the bigger breed dogs? Or is it, where, where do, where's the line that I need to draw as a consumer and a new pet parent to look beyond just that, that generalized complete uh, puppy food? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And we do. So, um, you know, across our lines, whether it is 
um, a, our puppy chow or Purina One or ProPlant. Um, there are a variety of that kind of more specialized nutrition within those lines. And I would say that probably goes across the board for, for many of the other um, larger pet food companies. And some of the differences are when we think about like our, our small breed or even our toy breed um, versus, again, say a St. Bernard or, or a Great Dane. Um, and when we think about their, just the, the sheer fact of their mouth size is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having those, for those small and toy breed dogs, the, um, the kibble is going to be smaller. So it's easier for them to be able to chew and digest. It also is going to be a little bit more calorically dense because these guys, especially when they're puppies, will need to be those, the, in particular, the toy breed dogs mm-hmm. will need to be fed much more, much more frequently than some of our larger breed dogs because they they can be at risk for getting um, what we call hypoglycemia or their blood sugar drops too low if they go too long between meals. So we try to make sure that that um, with the small and toy breed puppy foods that we develop that they are more, more calorically dense so that it helps to maintain their their blood glucose and doesn't uh, you know they don't have those swings. And, and put them at risk for other problems. On the flip side of that, for our large breed dogs, as I mentioned earlier, they're going to be actually less calorically dense, so that that so that we and have a um, a specific calcium to phosphorus ratio that really imp- those really important minerals that are critical in, in bone development to make sure that their bones grow at the right rate, that their muscle mass keeps up um, at the right rate, and that they don't grow and get too big too quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, so those are some of the, the key ones that when we're looking at the different breeds uh, uh, that the pet parents are selecting, um, that we want to look at kind of the differences in the kibble there. I, you know, you, you just like are teeing up my questions perfectly. I love it. <laughs> my next question was uh, how much and how often should we be feeding pu- the puppy? Because frankly, most of the puppies that I've had, you know, they're endless caverns of, of eating. <laughs> they All they want to do is eat. And so how oh, often right. should I be feeding them? Because they do seem to want to eat. My adult dogs are happy with their two times a day, but puppies seem to always want to be eating. Right, right. And, you know, that's a, it's a great question. And it really, you know, it does come down to, you know, depending on the size and the, the breed, excuse me, the breed and the activity level of the, of the puppy is, is really going to be what dictates how often you feed them and how much you feed them. You can start, the feeding recommendations are on the back of the bag are, are a good, at least, starting point, but it's certainly something that you want to talk to your veterinarian about, again, based on what they're seeing from a body condition standpoint. So Mm -hmm. that's we know that that's a really critical piece to longevity and also reducing the risk of, of developing various diseases is keeping them at a nice lean body condition. And certainly as puppies, just like, like humans, they'll go through different growth spurts um, and their metabolism will, you know, speed up while they're going through that growth spurt. And then it may taper off a little bit and then speed up again. So keeping an eye on, on their body condition can also be a really good guide to know if you're feeding the proper amount. And mm-hmm. so real easy, uh, there's there's a, a, a very more technical way of doing this, but um, very kind of simple, three simple steps to know if you're 
puppy is of ideal body condition is you want to put your hands on the sides of their ribs. You should be able to feel their ribs, even as a puppy. You don't want to be able to necessarily count every single one of them, but you should be able to feel their ribs. If there's a lot of insulation between them, mm. between your hand and their ribs, while roly-poly puppies are really cute, um, not that healthy. may not... <laughs> Right, exactly. That's not setting them up for success later in life. And then when you look at them from above, they should have a little a little waist that you can see. So they're behind their ribs, they should have a little indentation. Um, and then when you look at them from the side, you should have what we call an abdominal tuck. So basically their, their rib cage should be lower than their actual belly is. So they shouldn't be log shaped. Um, they should have uh, some definition there. And as you, you know, maybe once a week, you get into a routine of, hey, as I'm, you know, just petting him and feeling, can I feel his ribs? Is he at a good place? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and does he have a waist? So that way you can, um, as a pet parent, kind of start to get an idea of what ideal for um, for your puppy looks like and how that then translates into the amount of kibble that you're, you're putting into the bowl. And, you know, even within a breed, it's going to vary. Um, and it's similar, again, to, to human metabolism. There are some people... Um, who, you know, I, I'll use my husband as an example. I mean, he can eat a whole entire large pizza and he is still, you know, this skinny little guy and he just leads a very active lifestyle where other people can look at a piece of pizza and gain and 20 pounds. <laughs> right, right. And it doesn't do him any favors, right? So, it's, you know, it, it is very individualized even within breeds. So that's why, again, you know, I've, I've stressed it several times, but having that conversation with your veterinarian doing the body condition scoring yourself and then also asking your veterinarian to do it to make sure that you're on the right page for your particular pet. Awesome. Excellent information. Thank you so much for being our guest today, Dr. Lobos. You're welcome. I'm I'm happy to share and uh, this is a topic near and dear to my heart. So glad to be a part of the conversation. Excellent. And make sure everybody goes to Purina.com. They have amazing nutritional information about all stages of life, including a button right there that says puppy. And you can check out all their information on their puppy nutrition. There's so much out there for our canine companions. I know it can be hard to know what to believe and where to go to. So we're really happy that we could have experts like we had today on the show to give us some insight onto living with new puppies in the home. Robin Bennett, who talked to us about training our pups. Tracy Krulik from The Empowered Puppy. And last but not least, Dr. Ruth. Ruth and Lobos from Purina, all great, and we thank them so much for joining us today. Remember, pet lovers, if you have questions or ideas for future shows, just drop us a message on our Facebook page or email us at info at petlovergeek.com, and we will continue to bring, a, bring the latest in geeky and techie pet products and tips. Until next time, this is Pet Lover Geek, brought to you by Pet Hub on Voice America. Thank you for tuning in this week for Pet Lover Geek. Please join your host, Lorian Clemens, for another edition on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go grab your best friend and take them out and enjoy the rest of your weekend.